Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. All right, thanks for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. This topic is actually a little bit different. Maybe my own personal life experiences are um, maybe like triggering some of the topic discussions that we're going to have. But since you guys all felt compelled to come, I think maybe you can relate. We have a connection here. So the topic today is what do you do when you experience someone in your circle? Sometimes it's family, maybe it might be friends, and you suspect you are seeing indicators that their child may be touched by an autism spectrum disorder, but the parents don't see it um, because it's a really complicated thing. And, and somebody asked me, what's the answer? It's like, I don't know what the answer is. That's why we're doing a podcast on it because I'm curious because it has happened to me. Um, and uh, I don't know that I have even 12 years into um, just Isaac Foundation's existence. I don't know that I have an answer for this. Here's my other favorite one too, which you guys might be able to laugh at this. I'm not looking at you guys. I have two dads here with me. I'm not looking at you guys by any way that I'm thinking you're in this category, but sometimes I get um, moms contacting me saying, oh my gosh, my child just got diagnosed with autism and um, I'm struggling because you know, my husband just doesn't think, seem that see that there's a problem because he did all of these things when he was a kid and he's perfectly fine. So I, like, how do I tell him that, like, he has autism too? And I was like, ooh, yeah, no, I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Like, you figure that one out on your own. But um, so that happens. And again, do I have an answer? No, I do not get involved in those marital discussions. But so here's my question. Obviously, you guys are here, so you have some connection to it. So give me your story in terms of how it rolled out and what you did um, in that situation or didn't do, because that's more of my experience. Um, so we're going to start with David. Hi. Uh, my daughter is now almost 12, Morgan. She has autism. Um, we had a couple instances. Um, my brother actually has his daughter who is I think six years older than Morgan. And We've long suspected something, but before, you know, Morgan got diagnosed, it was just that thing you didn't talk about. She's just, I mean, I think the diagnosis they probably had in the 60s for autism, which that kid's just different. And Thanks, yeah. Rain Man. Yeah, like, Rain, yeah. That movie Rain Man really did not do anything to really accurately depict the spectrum of autism. So that's, you're right. That's kind of that. Well, it's not autism because it doesn't look like Rain Man, right? Right. So it's not that. So um, in subsequent uh, interactions with people where there is a suspicion, this is just our approach, which is um, we didn't really engage in the discussion. We would let the parents kind of lead the discussion and then offer our experience with our situation, not attributing our situation to their situation, just facilitating the questions and leaving the door open because if you even tread lightly down the path of trying to make the declaration for them, um, it does one of two things. They, be, you know, they can become extremely defensive and cut you off. And I think 
the further tragedy is then if they do come to the realization themselves, you're still cut off because they're probably bitter at you. Like you had something to do with it. I'm not saying it's rational. I'm just saying that's how people respond. And so just being there as a resource for their questions, sharing experiences, leaving the door open for further questions. Um, And then, you know, we've had us have them at, well, you know, who did you go talk to? Oh, there's this resource. Who did you, which person did you go to? Oh, there's this one. And so when they do come to the conclusion, they feel equally comfortable coming back and engaging in the conversation. Gotcha. Yeah, Bonnie, you have had some experience on this topic. So what did that look like for you? So I would say some of it was, some of the times were like in person, you know, hey, I know somebody who has a kid, you know. So you, oh, that was what I was saying earlier. <sighs> like, I can't tell you how many, like, play dates I have been invited to right. over the years because it's like, oh, hey, Holly, I'm glad you're here. Like, watch Betsy's daughter and tell me what you think. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like, I am not here for this play right. date to screen these children and tell you what my professional opinion is, which, by the way, is none. Like, I have no professional qualifications right. to be able to tell you. Do I feel like I have kind of a sharper autism antenna because we live in it right we're immersed in it constantly and we're connected to our autism tribe so we know a lot of other families who have kids are on the spectrum so again even though it may not be my child's uh you know level of autism i'm still pretty dialed into it because of my friends and spending time with them um so, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been invited to a park play date or a play date at front someone's house where it's just kind of like, okay, now this is what I'm talking about. Like, watch that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it, it, it hurts my feelings and I hate it. So like, have you ever had that happen? What do you do? Like literally yeah. I just get mad, take my kid and I leave. Cause it's like, I'm not playing this game. Right. Well, and I try, you know, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to do a diagnosis on your kid. I think I kind of take David's approach lots of times. Um, you know, if they have questions about like, you know, uh, or I might say, hey, uh, this is when I had concerns about my son, this is who I used. If you have a concern, like trying to pull it away from me, like I can't diagnose your kid. Facebook is awful because I oh, get so yes. many messages. Hey, Bonnie, your kids are on the spectrum. Can I send somebody your way to ask you some questions? Or can I, how many times when your kid was little did they not look at you before they said their name? And I'm just going, oh. I know, right? Like, oh. you know, and so I always Ask try to Google that question, right? Right. I got so some I tr- other stuff. I try to in. just redirect them to, you know, this was our story, and um, if you have concerns, here's some resources out there. Um, I always refer them online to the. There's some great sites that have red flags for autism at different right. ages. Like, right. So that might be a good option for you if you have concerns. And on the flip side, I've actually had people. Um, because Jackson's higher functioning now, I've had people try to re-diagnose Jackson. Oh, really? Like, what does that look like? Well, you know, I'm just wondering because, you know, he seems like a lot of things he do he does is a lot of things that typically developed kids do. So are you sure that, that I mean, it, it's really hurtful when people constantly say to you, are you sure your yeah. child has if autism? If I had a nickel every time people question me about Caleb and his autism, yeah. I... We, Isaac Foundation we had a lot of funding and right. we wouldn't have to do so many fundraisers because literally it's just like, oh, yeah, because it is kind of, you know, and elements of it become invisible. Right. Um, but then I sometimes wonder, it's like, well, maybe you should be looking at some of, you know, what is 
Right. Again, there's more prevalency than I think what we realize out there. So, and if you don't live in it day in and day out, I understand. You don't when, see the meltdown. When and uh, the- you know my family, they'll see him once a year at Christmas Eve. And what am I doing for both the boys? I'm giving them absolutely everything that I can so that they do not have a meltdown. Yeah, like that's the point. You yeah. don't. You, you don't want to see the stay. ugly part. Yeah, you want to be able to enjoy yourself. So you know what? Have an iPad. Have your freaking favorite chips. The whole bag of them, the if you bag want. Of chips. You know? I'm number one mom on yeah, holidays, yeah, you know? yeah. And so then it's like, well, we That's don't. part ever, of the holiday fun, right? Right. So we don't ever see these meltdowns. So we don't ever, you know. And it's like, well, you know, you're not in the thick of it. You know, you weren't there when Jackson was banging his head against the cement, or when you know we were having to restrain him because he was trying to hurt himself. I mean, these aren't things that you experience. I don't want you to experience yeah. those things. Yeah. You know, so I think there's those flip sides too. But then they start thinking, well, if he has autism. And they and a lot of the uh, characteristics seem very typical. Then how many other? Ki- well, then this we must all have autism. It's like, look, you can find anything yeah. that he has, and it doesn't mean your child has autism. Yeah. I mean, it just it just doesn't. You know, you have to if you do have some concerns. There's some great resources out there. I know Holly, you have a whole list of resources that. Um, you know, that are great. You know, if they're younger, child finds are great. I yep. mean, um, so, and I'm not saying do not contact me. You know, I, I love to be of help if I can, but just know I cannot diagnose your kid. And um, and I'm just going to send you with some great resources on maybe if you have some concerns, you know. Yeah. Has anybody had a situation where the parents are completely and totally oblivious and you see it and it's just so, some of these things are so obvious mm. that... You know, it's one thing when the parents are kind of feeling you out for some of the, like, hey, you know, I just wanted to ask you some questions about la, la, la. What if it's a totally different situation where you are seeing some very strong red flags and the parents have that, I see no problems here. Any of you guys had that? I I definitely did one time, and it was awkward because... I didn't want to say, hey, do you you think maybe, you know, you should have your child, you know? And so I I was trying to, like, direct it, like, oh, your son does that? My son Evan does, too. Like, little hints, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I kept saying, Evan does, too. Like, maybe they would clue together, Evan has autism. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. But at the same time, sometimes you're like, there's no, no way you're not seeing this and like you said it was just kind of like a oh he's just different yeah slower no, development we're yeah, way past that them. we're yeah. way past that you know you yeah. and so it makes you kind of sad because you also see the potential if they could see it and get them into these resources the potential this kid could have yeah but it's also you don't want to step over that line because it's not your business to it's a sticky situation to be in really oh my gosh i tell you and this is the one that has haunted me for years and years and years because you know, Caleb finally got invited to a birthday party. You know, this is preschool years. And um, so excited to have the fact that he was invited to this party. The young man whose family invited Caleb, you know, neurotypical, but, you know, they, you know, extended this invitation. Caleb's super excited. It was a superhero party, too, by the way, which was our jam. I know. So, I mean, it was right up our alley. And I actually made the mistake. um, So their daughter and Kelly were the same age. And I made the mistake of assuming that they knew because it was just so obvious um, that their daughter, um, you know, was, you know, not 
I, it just was to me so obvious because right. there was no language, you know, uh, you know, flicking on and off the lights and stimming and the flapping and the, you know, some of the utterances and noises and, you know, spinning and things like that in terms of how she was playing with some of the toys that I made the mistake of then asking about, you know, oh, like, so, you know, like, you know, what preschool, you know, is she going to end up funneling into and, you know, where, like, where are you guys getting services? And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, to, you know, well, I mean, eventually she'll probably go to the same school as, you know, the boys. But, like, you know, what services mean? And I was like, oh, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, wait. And I'm just like, uh, um, I'm in church. I'm in church service. Like, what services? <laughs> that, that's the one I was talking about because I was just like, I don't even know, like, you know, trying to salvage this whole thing because I was so dumbfounded. Like, literally, I, Okay, so, you know, I laughed and then I was super upset and I was just like, okay, so I salvaged it because I was just like church services, but I didn't even know what to say. And I was talking to my ex-husband because I was still, we were still married at the time. And I was like, like, what should we do? And he says, we don't do anything. Yeah. And I was like, well, we, we can't not do something. Um, you know, she's, this is that critical window of time where, you know, right. like again, right. yeah. um, it was like watching snapshots of Isaac at that age where, mm -hmm. um, that I was just like. Um, like we, we can't not do something. And he, my ex at the time says, you know what? Here's a little newsflash for you. Caleb has been invited to one birthday party from this one boy. This is the only boy he ever wants to play with and, and do things with. And you're going to screw it up because you're going to go in there and you're going to break the news that their daughter has autism. And they you really think like if, if they're not seeing it, mm -hmm. uh, you really think that they are going to want to allow their son and Caleb play anymore or even be in the same classroom and then I was like oh my gosh like literally um it's bothered me for so long so now we're going to fast forward a few years because I get invited to a, a special needs birthday party for one of the kiddos that I know through the Isaac Foundation and um so his a lot of his classmates are at this birthday party and lo and behold it is this family and I just literally when I heard their call her name and then of course I you know turn around and it's like oh my goodness here they are and um it was one of those moments where I felt like I was very overwhelmed because it was like um and even then when I was asking about oh what have you guys been doing you know how are things going I'm not really actually sure um that they're actually using the word autism other than she has communication challenges and she's just behind, you know, like I never heard that word, which is fine. I don't care. But it was one of those things where it's haunted me for forever because mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know at what point she finally entered into services and speech and some of those other things. But I'm telling you what, like I, I, not, we, I did not say anything and I've always felt bad about it. Um, and then of course seeing it in that context, it's like, oh gosh, you know, how long did it take for, and, and it sounded like, um, through school, like kindergarten, that it was like, you know, some concerns were raised by the teachers. And then, you know, she's not meeting the same level of development as the other students in the class. So then they did an assessment and some of those things. But, um, and I think the reason why autism wasn't part of that diagnosis is because schools can't diagnose your child with autism. They can do screening in terms of, oh, yep, they're behind in all these different areas. So she qualifies for services. And so this is what we're going to do. Um, but, you know, you can't get a diagnosis of autism. And so, like I said, I felt like maybe they probably were, you know, using a lot of the services that the school district provides, but not necessarily, um, you know, maybe getting speech therapy outside of school. But um, anyway, it's just always bothered me. And so part of the reason why I wanted to do this conversation here is because I'm curious if anybody else has ever had um, that 
something simple. Like I said, I stepped in it because I just assumed. But then again, like, I don't know if I could go back and do it over again, but I do anything different. I don't know that I would have because, you know, I just wanted Caleb to have that friend. And again, who am I to say, oh, your child has this. I mean, I'm not a professional. I just wanted to say just kind of um, similar situation. My um, oldest child is actually um, ADHD and who knows, you could be high functioning autism as well. I would not be surprised, but (laughs) anyways, I was just saying as far as like people taking news and getting information and how they accept that, like he's in kindergarten, horrible kindergarten year. I mean, he's spinning and nuts and teachers like he's having a very hard time transitioning into kindergarten you know like yeah. he was just, just like wild because really? you're just so used to this wild kid right like, and I'm like he's kid? just a boy yeah, he's boys, wild yeah. you know yeah. and then one of the first conversations they had with us the counselor mentioned you know oh you know typically for children you know that have similar struggles as him you know we you know sometimes we'll talk about like medication and I mean the second I heard medication I was like offended I know right right and I was like well who <laughs> do you think you are <laughs> like, tell me to give my kid a pill right <laughs> so it's like like, even if you were to say, like, hey, I think I'm seeing all these autism signs, I mean, depending on where they are and that even acceptance of even seeing those signs, they could take that a completely well, that's terrible so way. Because <laughs> even in my world where I am, like, like immersed in the world of <laughs> autism, I was super offended and upset when I – and in denial at first when Isaac got diagnosed because I was like, no, this can't be. This happens to other people. You know, the gr- stages of grief and acceptance and all of that. And – even with Caleb, I was the same way. I mean, I mentioned in another podcast that when we talked about stages of grief and whatnot, but I was mad when Caleb then was meeting some of the criteria for high-functioning autism. I was pissed, and I was in denial for a long time. And, you know, I even said I wrote autism a nasty letter because I was that mad because I was just yeah. so – I mean, so much rage was there that you're absolutely right. Like, even me, who really is immersed in autism right. and have been for 14 years – I still, even with Caleb, I was like mad and in denial and like, you know, maybe this isn't going to be, and if I work harder, we can work on this and he won't meet that criteria. I can't change who Caleb is, but, um, anyway, so Chevy, tell me, since you, you've talked now, explain (laughs) some of your, like you're here for a reason. So let's hear what this looks like. So we've had a little bit of, um, a little bit, uh, we have a a family friend and, uh, her son's, I think he's in first or second grade and they, and it wasn't, uh, she kind of did kind of like the DL slid slid into my DMs. I'm just like, Hey Chevy, I know that you guys are dealing with this stuff. So like, um, so when did Kira start, like, when did you notice that Kira was like losing language or when did you notice that she was having a really hard time with stuff? And, you know, talk to me more about like these tantrums. Like she really wanted to know all of these. Can you give me a video one <laughs> yeah. looks like? I need to just see this for a second. Yeah. But she alluded to basically saying, you know, oh, I have suspicions that my son, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is, but I, you know, maybe it could be, you know, how, how do you get an autism diagnosis? And I'm like, well, you know, pull back a little bit. Like if you have concerns, I like the first step would be, you know, talk to your child's pediatrician or doctor. And I said, you know, maybe request like a I did a what a, a child development screening. Yes. Right. And that was like our first step of seeing red flags. But it's like you 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 don't just go to the doctor and go, oh, my child probably has autism. So can I have a autism yeah. <laughs> diagnosis screening, okay, please? Well, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I did it, but Caleb, like, this one has autism. And they're like, you just, you're overreacting. It's like, oh, the hell I am. You know what I mean? WebMD like, well, told me. Exactly. Yes. Dr. Google said, Dr. Google told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, I just gave her the best, you know, this is who we saw. And I just start, you know, from the basics and, you know, good luck with everything. But like, yeah. I can't really say, you know, if this or that looks like autism because, you know, it's such a huge spectrum of even from the high functioning to lower functioning. So we've had that experience. And um, I feel like in public now, it sounds weird, but I feel like in public, I notice kids that have autism. I know. I call it my way autism more. antenna. <laughs> right? Like you're like at the I'm grocery like, store and you're like, oh, she has autism because she's like flapping and being super loud. Yeah, just don't make the assumption and, like, and ask about and services. Because yeah. then you're like, what are you talking about? But you do try to smile at them. Like yes. you want to connect like, I know, I'm an autism parent <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, we were actually at the trampoline park a couple months ago and there was a boy who was having a really hard time. I think just super overwhelming. He had like the headphones on and was screaming and screeching. His family was doing like the exhausted, just like, oh, like... This is what happens when we come. And I wanted to, I so badly wanted to go and say, like, hey, like, I just wanted to you tell to you, send like, the, the Hunger Games. Yes, the Hunger Games. I see like, you. I see you. you know, I, I say, know, you know, yeah. you know, you know, I got you. Like, I know exactly what this is like. But at the same time, I had this, like, internal, like, what if I get it wrong? Right. I will yeah. look like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't. You would see me. Like, I can't you're scrambling and being like, oh, excuse me? Did, did I say that? I mean, what I meant was, oh, you know what? I thought you were somebody else. You look just like my cousin. And so sorry about but that. But I was so tempted. And I'm like, was it wrong that I didn't say something? Or was it wrong that I, uh, 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 I'll be safe and not say anything? But I wanted to go and say, like, hey, just, you know, I totally understand. And yeah. Well, and why is the word autism so shameful, anyways? Right. It seems like. Because people, if a lot of my messages, well, uh, Bonnie, we know that since you're um, so out there about your boys' autism, and it's just like, why wouldn't I be? Yeah, because you, you know, you, you can't hide it. Maybe if you comb right. their hair on the other side, you can hide it a little bit more. <laughs> well, right, and know. and besides that, like, I don't want to because I want, you know, Evan is probably never going to be where he understands what autism is. But Jackson gets it, and he. I explained it that Evan has it worse than he does, and you know we have made a poster board of what a typically developed brain looks like and what his brain looks like, and we're trying to use you know this brain and not our autism brain, and um, I I want that language because when he's at school he's able to say I'm having an autism moment. You guys need to back away because he's very ragey yeah. and. He, you know, and I just, I don't. Well, that's self-advocacy, which is healthy. Right, so. and I just don't get it when people, I think lots of times why they don't see it is they think it's such a shameful. Well, it's a, still the, I'm so sorry. Right, oh, <laughs> I'm oh, so you're boy. sorry, you guys. You know. Are, it's like, it's not the worst thing in the world. I have a hard time. Oh, I love that. You're so strong. <gasps> yes. I just could never do could what never you do. do. Uh, oh, yeah, because, you know. I don't have tons of choices. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was there a choice not to do it? Yeah, I know. I right? didn't get that. Oh, I thought you just had to. God gives special children children oh, to God, special don't say people. That. Mm. No, then some no. days, like, screw God, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no. You know what I, I say to that? No, wait, no, that, wrong but figure, sorry. You bring yeah. up a really good point, though, which is when you use the example of those parents, I just, I mean, I feel horrible for everybody involved. I, for some reason, especially the parents. Yeah. Um, the kid probably will find somewhere along the way hopefully to deal with it but it just seems like that word is not to be uttered and we're going to dance around it and we're going to do everything other than address what this is and it has been stigmatized so what can you do what should you have done and what can you do you're doing it right here yes and this is part of the destigmatization is that a word it process destigmatization <laughs> yeah. process um that everybody gets there at their own speed 
Um, I got there at my own speed on the diagnosis. I clearly was the one in denial. Um, there are certainly days that I'm hoping she could just gets cured, Yeah, you know? Mm. Um, well, and you've been really open about that process, which I appreciate because again, you, you know, there's, you know, if we've talked about the magic pill, if you, and Bonnie, you've been honest about that too. If there was a magic pill that I could give my child to take this away, like I absolutely would do Sign that. Me up. Yeah. I mean, cause it is hard and you don't want to see them struggle. Have you guys ever, um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I get a lot of people say, well, my child doesn't have autism. They have sensory processing disorder, which may look like autism, but it's totally different. And so I just have some questions about la, 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 la. And of course, you know, again, when you statistically start looking at sensory processing disorder, a lot of those kids um, have a lot of sensory issues, but those sensory issues, once they start getting older, you start realizing the social communication challenges. And so a lot of those kids that um, just have sensory processing disorder when they're younger do go on as they get older because that social deficit starts becoming more and more obvious compared to their peers. And then they meet that criteria of autism. And then it's like for those people, of course, you know, I, I, meet tons and tons and tons of people that, um, you know, their kids just have sensory processing disorder because it's not autism. So that's the only thing we have in common, but, you know, I'd like to come to mom's group or, um, you know, what have you, <clears throat> you know, because, you know, there's some overlap, but you know, it's not autism. And I just, it's hard for me because the, the reality of it is, is that a lot of those kids mm -hmm. are the ones that go on to meet the criteria of high functioning autism. It's just that they fly under the radar for some of those social differences until they're older. So have you guys, um, and again, I, you know, I'm not going to pop anybody's bubbles. It's like, Hey, you know, like, Yes, welcome to our tribe because, but in my mind, I'm just, you know, like some of these people are actually going to find that this is actually their tribe. You know, this is the tribe that they should right. have been in all along. And, yeah. and again, you're going to find that it's really not, I don't, I don't love my child any less because they have an autism spectrum disorder. It's just that our life looks different and how we have to navigate through it yeah. is different. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, I mean, you guys are some of my friends and, you know, we rock it, right? There's a lot of comfort in that. John, you've been kind of quiet over there. I, I wasn't quite sure if you were asleep, but um, have you? What, what's your experience look like in this topic? So, um, you know, we do a lot of training for first responders uh, all over the place in the Northwest. And I've had moments where you'll have the guy in the back of the room. He's kind of slumped in his chair, and then you start talking about something. Oh, I'm things. with you on these. They look like they're yeah. asleep, and they're and not then really they kind of sit up, and then they start leaning forward, and then they're leaning forward, more. looking for napkins, and, and really, and then their find... hand goes up, and yeah. they start asking questions. And then it's like, hey, uh, my kiddo does a lot of these things. I'm like, well, you know, my my advice would be to take him to a you know a pediatrician. We get that so often. Have him, you know, have him screen us. It may, it may be nothing. It may be something. You know, who knows? But with my son, um, I actually was kind of fishing like you, Bonnie. I went and I, I knew something was up. You know, I, I knew he was... At 18 months, he started regressing, losing language, and there were some things that were happening. And I'm like, there's got to be an explanation for this. And so we actually went to a doctor. I went into the office with the sole purpose of coming out with a paper that said, yes, You're not your crazy. child has autism. Yes. Well, the thing of it was is, and then the doctor heads down this path, and this, and this person, this provider is no longer uh, providing anymore. I think they're retired. Yes. Um, but correct. the conversation that I know she, this doctor because I was also not a big fan of this particular <laughs> provider. Well, she went down a path, and 
to say that, well, they're probably going to have seizures, you know, probably this, probably that, blah, blah, blah. Never Even, do this, never do that. So many concrete yeah, absolutes. It was, it was terrible. Of, and so at, we had at that the end same of the, conversation where I left there like my mouth on the ground, like what, what just happened to me? At the end of the, you know, conversation, it was just put the thing on the paper. Give me the paper. I don't need to hear any more of your bullshit. You need to get yourself educated about what's, what this looks like now. Because right. what you're telling me is 30 years old. Right. So I'm glad that you had enough forethought to, I was just so shocked and. Well, I think that part of it is, you know, as being a dad and David, you can identify with this. Sometimes, you know, we, we look at something and it's like, well, I want to fix this. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was my, my focus was, Hey, how do I get this kid back on track? Right. So at 18 months, I'm thinking, man, you know, he's fell off the rails and how do I put him back on the track and keep him going? Right. So yeah. my focus was trying to figure out how to fix this. So you know, I looked at it from a physiological standpoint. I'm like, well, uh, traumatic brain injuries a lot of times are, you know, uh, hyperbaric treatments. You know, that's that's the thing. It fixes these people. So what did I do? I went out and bought a $10,000 hyperbaric chamber with an oxygen concentrator, and I'm throwing my kiddo in this thing. Well, um, you know, that's, that's great. Um, but what I figured out was the gut issues that he was having with yeast and everything else started started out look like it was, you know, it was, it was working, but it – it caused him some really big problems with, with yeast and some other things that were causing the issue. So, you know, like I said, I was under the impression that I could just magic pill, you know, hyperbaric chamber. I can fix this, flip the switch. But uh, some of the guys that I work with have come to me. They've seen the video training that we do. They'll, you know, they have a kiddo that's two or three or four years old, and they get to understand looking at the physiological part we go over with body systems and sensory systems and the, and the manifestations and what those look like. And they're like, you know, I took my kiddo in and they said that, you know, they're on the spectrum or yeah. they have sensory processing disorder at this time. Cause they don't know for sure yet if they're old enough to, to be on that, you know, placed on the autism spectrum. So I would say that, uh, it's interesting because we get to see people all the time during the training that like, I know. So just like for background story for anyone that's listening and doesn't have as much information um, or background on Isaac Foundation, one of the things that Isaac Foundation does is that um, actually, John, I first encountered um, you and Cooper years ago and you actually wrote a letter to the Isaac Foundation and it actually haunted me for a long time because you said exactly what I was feeling is, you know, I'm a first responder. Um, I'm a firefighter paramedic here in the city and, um, you know, I save and help people in intangible ways. But it's, I, I'll never be able to describe how frustrating and um, defeating it is to then come home and have this young, you know, your child and not be able to help them and don't know what to do to help them. And it's just, it was like, oh my gosh, yes, it's so hard. You love them so much and I can only imagine, you know, again, you want to fix it. You know, men kind of want to fix things. And so um, the fact that, you know, you, you articulated that was very, you know, powerful. Um, over the years then, um, as a first responder, you know, parents were constantly coming to Isaac Foundation and expressing concerns about just their uh, first responders' knowledge of autism and their ability to effectively work with first responders. And so, John, you helped us to build a first responder training program um, that we use for fire department, EMS, um, and uh, law enforcement. And um, I'm proud to say that our training is nationally accredited. Um, actually, it's the only nationally accredited um, autism first response training program that we know of actually currently in the United States. So all started here in Spokane. So we do travel around a lot and we train first responders because in some states it's mandatory. It's actually federally they're starting to mandate that all first responders have a certain um, 
training requirements when it comes to individuals with disabilities. And um, in Washington, John and I sat on the, the board that, um, the committee that actually talked about what some of those requirements were. And so, you know, it is, you're absolutely right. So we travel around a lot and we do this training. And it is interesting because, you know, again, um, at break, so many of them will come up and, and say, wait a minute, do I have time to get my wife here? I think she needs to hear some of this information. Or mm -hmm. are, when are you doing this training again? Because like, I feel like maybe my wife needs to come and listen to your training. Like, are, are espressos allowed to come? And it's just one of those things where it's just heartbreaking. Because again, I'm not trying to die. I'm just telling you, right. you know, mm -hmm. here is autism. Here's some of the characteristic behaviors behaviors that you see um, in relationship to autism, and we're trying to give them strategies for being able to manage, de-escalate, and work through some of those behaviors um, in critical situations. And so it's just so sad when you have that actually happen. And then, um, you know, it's just these little light bulb moments, and you're like, oh, geez, you know, that's going to be... I don't want to be in your house tonight when you have to have start having some of these conversations. Well, and, and Jason is very much like you. Like when we, it, our stories sound very similar in the beginning. And Jason was like the fixer. So I was like the emotional breakdown. Okay, how am I going to love him? How I don't know what's wrong with him yet. And Jason's like looking things up in books, looking things up on YouTube. Like first, we find out what it is. Second, we find out how to fix it. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I'm just like, okay. You know, exactly. Whatever, right? You know. Yeah. And and the other thing is with the sensory processing disorder, people get the autism diagnosis. Because yes. here's the deal. Even if it is an autism, yes. say, great, it is just sensory processing it disorder. It truly is. Your insurance does not pay for... Like interventions. Barely, yes. So let's talk or about that a little bit. limited interventions. Yes. Correct. Autism gives you this open window of wonderful things that you can that you're not going to get with that with sensory processing or diagnosis so even if it isn't take it because you're still going to need the same interventions and why not have them be paid for through your insurance company absolutely so it's so funny that you mentioned that because actually chevy you're in my six-week online guided roadmap okay. to autism course yeah. and each week we're talking about a different um so it's all online, and every week it's a, you know, here's what we're talking about this week. So first week we talked about assessments, which ones you need, which ones open which doors, which ones actually may not open the door that you think it's going to open, and which ones give you the information you need. Second week is um, we talk about therapy interventions, um, just the different therapy interventions and some of the obstacles you have with insurance, and you're absolutely right. We talk about, you know, here's the thing. Autism is, is scary, um, but you know what? Sensory processing disorder and autism, it's the same interventions. It's this, we don't treat it. We don't do anything differently when you're talking about true sensory processing disorder. So when we talk about the, so just to clarify, in order to meet the criteria for an autism spectrum disorder, they have to have a marked deficit in communication. Okay, and that can be social communication, not just verbally. Oh, no, they talk. Right. My kid talks. It's social, the use of communication in a social context. Um, and that's where some providers are not dialed into really what that looks like. Um, secondly, that social interpersonal relationship piece, like how are they socially interacting with their peers, you know, joint referencing, um, some of those things. And then the third is um, obsessive, restrictive, repetitive behaviors. And so that is very sensory. Okay, so um, when Isaac was first identified for red flags, he was 15 months old. And that's because he had no functional communication and he had an abundance of obsessive, restrictive, repetitive behaviors. But he didn't, he was too little to really measure that social difference because at that age, they're just sitting on the ground 
parallel playing. So it was right before a second birthday where they felt like, oh yeah, there's definitely enough here in terms of that social, how he's interacting um, in a social context. So we got the autism diagnosis. So what you're talking about is exactly it. So your child has all of those obsessive, restrictive, repetitive behaviors. That is very sensory processing disorder. Um, and the thing about it is, again, because we don't treat it any differently, um, you cannot access, your insurance limits or caps, the number of visits that you get for occupational therapy, um, speech, and physical therapy. So it's all combined. So I don't know what your guys' plan is, but I think ours was like 34 visits a year of combined speech, PT, or OT. This is, there's newsflash, there's 52 weeks in a year, right? <laughs> so that's, you do the math there, okay? Now, when you get the autism diagnosis, guess what? It's unlimited, and also it unlocks ABA, which is, again, some assets when we're talking about behavior, function, that sort of thing. Um, so you're absolutely right. I feel like there's a lot of overlap. There is. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's... Either. I mean, my daughter has both. I mean, she's... Sure. High, she has sensory processing and autism, but I feel like they're very overlapping. Well, and that's the thing. You issues. can't, yeah, when you're talking about the criteria, and if you actually read through the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders, exactly, sensory processing is a key component of autism spectrum disorders because that's obsessive, repetitive, restrictive behaviors. Restrictive because they're avoiding certain sensory experiences. Some They're seeking it, so it's repetitive because it feels mm -hmm. good, so they're doing it. You see what I'm saying? So that's the thing is, is that the wording in the DSM is sensory processing sort of sensory and and here's the thing is that sensory processing disorder doesn't exist <laughs> it doesn't there is not a diagnostic code in the dsm for sensory processing disorder so all of those kids that are accessing some services it's actually a developmental delay it's not there is no you cannot diagnose a child with just sensory processing disorder so that's the funny thing about all of this so you're actually accessing um the benefits in your medical plan because of a developmental delay or red flag, if you will. Um, so that's exactly what you're saying. Again, misnomer is, is that um, autism is scary, but Bonnie, there are so many more doors, you're absolutely right, that are opened when you have that autism diagnosis. And sure, we hope someday that maybe with great, fantastic interventions, they're going to be screened at some point and they don't meet the requirements. And um, and you know what? I'll take that any day of the week. But oh, sure. you know what I mean? But I tell you what, I don't want any medical insurance company telling me that I only get 34 visits a year. You know what I mean? So it's very limiting. But And when you say, like, you know, how they're, because I've had parents say to you, oh, no, you know, my child only has, and it's like, you know, it feels kind of shaming mm -hmm. to the person that it's like, you're talking okay, to. Okay. And yeah. like, you're no better than me. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of the scientific community, um, they've put so much stuff out there. This could cause autism. This could cause oh, autism. Yes. That it literally has made it, in a lot of ways, very shameful for the mother. Yeah. Because um, you carried this child. Yeah. And then people want to know what you did um, to cause that. And, and, yes, we've come a great way. You know, I walked, watched a, a documentary called Refrigerator Mothers. And, oh, my goodness, I'm so happy I don't live, you know, back yeah. then of how mothers were treated when they had autistic children. But um, it, it needs to be the same thing as mental health issues, like an open conversation, no shame, and, you know, how do we help this child, yeah. not, you know, 
Well, and I want to make sure I'm clarifying. I do, on a personal level, think that sensory processing disorder exists in and oh, of its own. Sure. Oh, I totally sure. do. So yeah. I want to make sure that I'm clarifying yeah. that I do believe right. that there are kids that just have sensory processing yeah. disorder. And I think, Chevy, when you were talking about your son with ADHD, I think a lot of kids mm-hmm. um, that have the diagnosis of ADHD have a little element of sensory processing sure. disorder. You know what I mean? But I've been noticing little sensory things yeah. that bug my youngest. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that... That's always bugged you too, but I've always kind of ignored it. But totally. I guess you do probably have a few yeah. sensory issues. But for as those well. kids, my daughter, yeah. I mean, you know, she's considered neurotypical. But from the time she was little, you'd have to brush her hair in a certain way. She didn't yeah. want to wear these certain long sleeve things. She didn't, you know. So sometimes there's elements in a, in oh, a lot totally. of the children. You know? Yes. Well, that's the thing. I totally. It actually ticks me off that they won't give sensory processing disorder its own classification with a diagnostic code. Uh, so I mean, but that's a whole other thing. But um, so just understand. I want to make sure that we're clarifying that. Have you guys ever experienced? Um, and this is another like hot topic for me. Is where. Um, you know, you get invited to do certain things and then your child's being used as the measurement stick to decide whether or not their kid is, like, typical. It's like um, I've had a parent come up to Caleb and ask him to do different things um, to see what he does so that that way she could compare what he was doing compared to her child that was the same age. Like, I'm not going to lie, I lost my ever-loving mind. The B word might have come out. Because uh, I was just like, do not use my child as your measuring stick to make sure that your kid, you know, there's doctors for that. If you have concerns, shove off, lady. Um, but so I, you know, got very upset about, um, you know, her using Caleb and interacting with Caleb to test what his skills were, or how he would execute certain activities or directions, because then she was, you know, um, double checking. Have you guys ever experienced that? God, I hope you haven't. I hope I you haven't. haven't yet. Uh. I, I, go ahead. Well, I would say that. So, what I haven't, while I haven't had him compare, you know, maybe side by side kind of a situation. What I have had people say is that, yeah, my cousin's son just got diagnosed with uh, autism spectrum disorder, and he's nothing like Cooper. Mm, yeah. And it's like, well, it's called. I, a and then spectrum. I have to get into a discussion and make them understand what that looks like yeah there's levels of autism and cooper's at the highest level of autism and this particular child is not and just understand that there's a difference and it is a spectrum well by that standard you could say you know hey well you know what cooper doesn't look like rain man do you think that maybe rain man doesn't have autism or maybe cooper doesn't you know what i'm saying that's somebody i've had somebody ask what kira's like savant thing was like I'm oh right. yes right <laughs> what it is that she like yeah. they were like i was talking to someone i can't remember who, but they were autism, like yeah what so what's like kira's thing does she like, like do music really or? good yeah, yeah and she did like music or yeah. dance you know is there something she's really good at and i'm like yeah and i'm like wait well, i think the rate of savant to autism is actually relatively low yes. so we're not really expecting that yeah. if it happens awesome but not really something we're expecting yeah and then when we find it we're gonna put her on the road and we're just gonna like make, make it a money road off show. of her you know yeah it's gonna be our own autism sideshow that we're gonna travel the world to show world to show everybody are like children with the savant no i have to say that cooper has some splinter skills hmm. that he you know um with puzzles in early age he was able to put puzzles together really quickly and he got bored with the picture side, so then he started doing a cardboard side up with no reference to any wow, of the pictures. He could amazing. still do it. So, that's but that's just spa- yeah, visual spatial understanding was very very good, and he's uh, kind of been good at that. But we see typical folks that have the same kind of a right. 
Yeah, so, yeah like I'm with no... you. Like you know, Caleb doesn't have any like creepy. The most I can say on that, I call him like creepy skills. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can say on that is that he did. It didn't freak me out, but it freaked out the school because it was like you know like. The coding week, you know, it's like, you know, like we're doing, or maybe it's the code of month or month of coding or something like that. So for, you know, four weeks, they were going to do these different coding lessons. And then at the end, they were going to get a certificate that they completed like coding month or whatever. Well, like I think Caleb did the 30 lessons in 16 minutes and he didn't even read the instructions. And they were just like, oh my God. This is like, it's like, and they're like, oh my God, like this, this is what he just did. And I was like, oh. Wow, I guess that's cool. Like that's good to know. At least I think maybe might have a job, might have a job at some point. That's fantastic. And they're like, well, we don't know what he's going to do for the next thirty or twenty nine days. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I guess make him do it again. Like I don't even care. Like why is this even a prop? Why are we having this conversation? But it was like literally everybody's just like, we don't even know. Like he didn't even open the instruction tab to see how he was supposed to. Do it. it just makes sense to him. And um, you know, so he has some of those like. And he yet, definitely has autism. And yet, <laughs> he, you know, he can't tie his shoes. Sure. Um, you know, we struggle, you know, him, you know, with, you know, we're still working on even teaching him how to cook certain foods without setting off the smoke alarm and doing the family, you know, execution, execute the family escape plan on his hands and knees as he's crawling to the family meeting place. You know, again, so splinter skills, right? So well, and it shows you how different the spectrum is. Because here's Evan, who's very low functioning. He can tie his shoes. See, it's so weird how the things that they can do versus the you know things what, they Bonnie, can't that do. That actually like, makes me really happy to know that because literally, you know, I'm at the phase now where I'm asking Caleb. It's like, here's your IEP goals, and so this is what we're working on. Like, do you have any goals like you want? And one of them was, I want to be able to tie my shoes. Like, I'm the sixth grade, and I want to be able to tie my shoes. And I'm like, whew, why does this seem so, like, more complicated than, like, teaching him how to, like, you know. Um, you know what? I don't I, – and I'll send you something. Somebody – there's a new way to tie your shoes now to make it easier that I didn't even know. And I when they showed this. me, it was one of those things where you – like, this aha moment, like <sighs> – I want Why that. I, give me the aha moment. So yeah, okay, I'll send it Bonnie, to Bonnie, she's going to actually send it to me. I'm going to post it with right. this podcast because if anybody out there has their child it, and they it, cannot it, it, it makes it where there's less of those fine motor yes. skills you have to have. And it was like, oh, okay, yes. Why, did, why didn't I think of this? Yeah. Well, they, okay, see, this is the podcast. This gives me hope yes. that we're going to be able to tie <laughs> our shoe, right? <laughs> He's not going to have to wear slip-on shoes for his whole life. Well, right? we're running out of options because I'm going to be honest, like we can't do Velcro anymore because they are just like fugly at this yeah. size because you know right. what I mean they're right. we are in a size or he's wearing you know like we're now like they're the old men's. man velcro yeah. shoes right. that, ugly. that's ugly and that's Jason's thing it's so funny like we each have our own thing and he his thing is he get when he every year he takes the boys to get their shoes and it's some way too expensive of shoes and whatever because he's like you know what in life they're gonna be made fun of for so much stuff they're getting these shoes you know and of course so then I'm like well then let's try to teach Evan how to tie the shoes because yeah. they're not velcro anymore yeah. I don't care I, I would have just gotten them if they wanted the Ninja Turtles whatever right, yeah. it don't matter to me okay so Bunny I'm gonna be honest honest confession here and so I'm just gonna preface this by saying oh. to all of my children I apologize I am not a perfect mom but I'm gonna make a true honest confession here. <laughs> So <clears throat> Isaac and Tyler were 11 months apart in age, okay. and their cousins were twins, and so twin boys, and so we received a lot of hand-me-downs, which yeah. were twinsy sorts of things. And then Isaac was little for his age, even though he was older. Tyler was big for his age, so they actually, Tyler was bigger than Isaac. So 
Anyway, when I would, you know, like get them dressed in the morning, it was like, you know, it's like, you know, here's like two identical shirts. One's like, you know, in blue and one is maybe maroon. And you know what? Maybe one has like a hole in it or like a little spot that I couldn't get out. I would always put that outfit on Tyler because I figured, you know, he's neurotypical. You know what I mean? No, or like there's a hole like in the knee it. of the pants. And he can it's pull like, it off. Where... You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he can take the black. Yeah, he, he can, can take, take the black. black. I'm like, because look at him. He's an animal. He's huge, right? You know what I mean? I'm figuring that, you know what? Kid, you you got the, the skills to be able to defend yourself. Whereas your brother, like we need him to just look good. Like, so I was always like more picky that about like, I know it's like Isaac, was, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to try and like clean his face. Where's Tyler? <laughs> you know, you're okay. It's like, you know, I'm not going to be so particular about your face being perfect she and your hair being perfect. Right well, and now this today. makes total sense and why Tyler will wear, <laughs> wear clothes from Walmart and doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. He just wants something that covers his body. Now it totally makes sense. Okay, that is a true thing. So now, okay, so, oh, you know, Isaac passed away. And uh, so Tyler, it, I have this hang up because I grew up in a um, very low income, mm, you know, yes. life. And I grew up in a double wide trailer. And so I was picked on because of the things I wear. So for me now, it's like I absolutely refuse my kids to wear. Um, and I don't do name brand stuff, but like, you know, Old Navy. Old Navy is totally acceptable. It's For sure. in my price range. Um, all the kids wear it. It's fine. But I have this thing about allowing my kids to wear like Walmart clothes. Like I won't, I won't. And then Tyler, you're absolutely right. He's like, I don't, mom, when are you going to figure out that I just don't give a crap? Like, you know, you, <laughs> like let someone make fun of me because I'm wearing Walmart shoes. I'll kick the crap out of them. And I'm like, but yeah, you know what? Actually you would. And that's also not a good lifelong solution either yeah. is that um, we can't going around like beating the crap out of people because you know that actually is a real deal but you're right maybe that is part of what I inadvertently now have programmed my child into the fact that he doesn't give a crap what he looks like and so anyway all right did we cover everything that we were going to talk about I guess the answer to this and so much more like my true life confessions that when I am gone and not on this earth you could say hey you know, you guys uh, might want to check out that podcast your mom did. And there's like, you know, now you'll know why you turned out the way that you did. So <laughs> make sure that they listen to this after I'm gone. But um, I guess the thing I would just like everybody to know is, is that it's going to happen. People are going to seek you out and ask those questions and even say those wonderful things to you about, you know, the God gives special children to special people. And so I figured you were that you would be the best person to ask because, you know, la, la, la. Um, and, you know, like I said, tread carefully because sometimes, like, I, sh I explained that, uh, you know, you think it's so obvious. And mm -hmm. it always is if you don't know the person well. So sm I wish I was smart like you, Chevy, where you were like, <laughs> just oh, bite your tongue, bite your tongue and just something. be like, want to say something, but don't because it was super awkward. Um, but again, you know. Do the best you can. And again, you know, also refer people online. There's lots and lots. Dr. Google is so much better than when, you know, Isaac would be actually turning 17 in March. And so what we had available to us then in terms of trying to get information about what this looks like was far more limiting to what we actually have access to, to now. So anyway, Dr. Google. And I'm going to put... Bonnie's form um, attached to this podcast so that if anybody out there wants to have the, help their kids tie their shoe, like we'll have another little option for you for that too. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together, so find your tribe and hold them tight.